Stevenson University Online is the leader in forensic education for law enforcement, legal, and cyber investigations. If you are preparing for career advancement or career change, investigate our online master's programs in forensic science, CSI, forensic accounting, forensic investigations, and cybersecurity and digital forensics. New online sessions start every eight weeks. No application fee or GRE required. Visit stevenson.edu slash online. Yeah, it's called Conversations with Jeff, not Screaming Matches. Yeah, Yeah, you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul-searching. It's like, you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Right. Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues. They're vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep rolling together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though, and so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth, and then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth, uh, no matter what the consequences are. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode of Conversations with Jeff. Uh, as you guys know, we are running through uh, this series right now of talking to each of the chapters of the book, Church and State, How the Left Used the Church to Conquer America. Uh, today's guest is actually Dr. Michael Brown, and we're going to be talking about his chapter specifically today. Uh, but if you guys w- are interested in ordering this book, I highly recommend it. It's a great lineup of authors, including Dr. Brown, Pastor Greg Locke, Denise McAllister, Pastor Kerry Gordon, Pastor Ken Peters, the list goes on and on. Got a bunch of great contributing authors to this book, and we're really exposing the leftist strategy of infiltrating the church for the ultimate goal of conquering America, and we're kind of seeing the results of their strategy playing out right before our eyes. So this book's really important. Uh, go to gatekeepersonline.com slash church and state. You guys can use the code Michael at checkout. You get 10% off, plus you will get a free ebook, Why I'm Pro-Life by Pastor Sam Jones. So we're just trying to figure out different ways to get you guys uh, the best resources, um, so definitely check that out. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd love to uh, welcome on Dr. Michael Brown, uh, who wrote one of the chapters for this book, specifically on how Christians could vote for Democrats, uh, in this, in, and he really dives into this, and I think it's an important chapter. But Dr. Brown, thanks so much for joining us. I'm glad we could sit down and chat here for a bit. Yeah, uh, so glad to have the conversation and glad to participate in, in what's definitely going to be a very important book. Yeah, def- definitely. And, and, I th- and I think, too, specifically with, with your chapter, I think what ends up happening a lot of times with uh, with conservatives, I think, a lot as well, and you know, probably also on the other side, but oftentimes we get in our own little bubble. And then I, I think I think oftentimes it's really easy to demonize the other the other side. Now I don't mind the disagreements. I don't mind saying this is right, this is wrong, and all that kind of stuff. But it seems like we're beginning to put 
conditions on salvation uh, onto how you vote. And I think that that's really where your chapter, I think, is so important, is kind of breaking down the that specific issue. So uh, if you can kind of give a synopsis a little bit of, of, you know, what's your chapter about specifically, and that way, and then we'll kind of dive into it a little bit. Yeah, so my own conviction is, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you cannot vote for a candidate or party that supports abortion. Therefore, I, I would say you'd have to sit out an election if you didn't like the other candidate or uh, just vote for the other candidate based on that difference. Nonetheless, I know there are believers, I, I mean committed, born-again believers, that have a different perspective on that. So the purpose of this chapter was not to convince someone of the rightness of their position, but to explain where they're coming from. As one black brother said to me as we were chatting on the phone one day, and this is a committed, solid believer, preaches the gospel, does apologetics. He said to me, why do you think it is that there are folks in the Democrat Party that on Sunday are preaching from their pulpits against abortion and against homosexual practice, and yet voting Democrat, or they themselves are Democrat politicians. So I said, that's a good question. In my mind, they're hypocrites. And he said, no, there's more to the story. So what I tried to do was unpack this, at the very least, so we would have better understanding within the body. We understand people who've rejected the authority of Scripture, people who are so-called progressive Christians, so the Bible doesn't really matter to them. And they're, they're voting in various ways because their convictions are different. They're voting for homosexual, quote, marriage. They're, they're voting to enshrine Roe v. Wade. They're, they're voting against our religious freedoms because they're not Christian at all. But what do we do with people that seem to love Jesus the same way, say that scriptures are God's authoritative word? Yes, abortion is wrong, and yet they would vote for a Barack Obama or a Hillary Clinton or a Joe Biden. How can they do that? So if we could better understand where they're coming from, then we wouldn't judge them in the same way. And then we could interact more effectively if we believe our viewpoint is right to try to get them to see things uh, from what we believe is a more biblical viewpoint. But in short, the argument would be that we've had all these decades to overturn Roe v. Wade and to outlaw certain things in the courts. We've had Republican presidents appointing Republican judges. It doesn't change on that level. Abortion is going to be dealt with on a grassroots level. So that's what we're doing. We're pro-life on a grassroots level and trying to change the culture that way. But because we know that the president and the courts are not going to do it, we're asking other questions. Stevenson University Online is a leader in forensic education for law enforcement, legal, and cyber investigations. If you are preparing for career advancement or career change, investigate our online master's programs in forensic science, CSI, forensic accounting, forensic investigations, and cybersecurity and digital forensics. New online sessions start every eight weeks. No application fee or GRE required. Visit stevenson.edu slash online. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. 
which party is going to do better in terms of education, which party is going to do better in terms of caring for the poor, which party is going to do better in terms of reaching out to minorities. Now, I still differ with their conclusion in terms of voting Democrat. As, as one brother said to me, you're all excited about all these conservative justices that are being appointed. He said that my research tells me that these same conservative justice will, will give uh, stiffer sentences to black uh, blacks on trial than whites, even with the same criminal history and for the same crime. So you're re rejoicing this is happening. I'm seeing injustice to our community. So those are some of the things I try to unpack, the mentality, the reasoning behind it, which I still differ with ultimately because of the, the issue of shedding of, of the blood of the innocent. But that's some of where we're coming from in the chapter. Yeah, and I think too, I, th I think, you know, a concern that I've been having, especially as of late, is that you know, a, we're, I'm seeing a lot of even even my friends uh, that are strong conservative Christians, but they're then saying that if you vote for Joe Biden, essentially there's no way that you can be saved uh, because they, they would say like no saved person could vote for a Democrat platform like this. And I think for me, that's really concerning because uh, number one, you're going to alienate uh, number one, you're going to alienate the other side to where they're not even going to hear your arguments because now you're accusing them of not being saved. But also more importantly, now we're putting a condition onto salvation on how you vote. Now we can, we can even maybe go so far as to say, it could be a sin in some instances how you vote or don't vote or things like that. But to go so far as to put that condition onto salvation, I think, is the really dangerous aspect. Yeah, well, the argument would be, you know, for example, First John 3, no murderer has eternal life. So if you are siding with the murder of the unborn, you know, Jesus says in Matthew seven twenty one, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. So because he cares about the shedding of the blood of the innocent and he cares about the least of these, you are therefore siding against God and you cannot be saved. The thing that's so ironic, and, and I understand the strength of those arguments, but not when you cross that line. What's so ironic is that uh, I do interviews all over the place. And I have had sometimes within the same week, maybe in the same day, I've been on one show where the host is saying you cannot possibly be a follower of Jesus and vote for Donald Trump. And they give the, all the reasons. And then I get on the next show and you cannot possibly be a follower of Jesus and vote for Joe Biden. So the, the rhetoric gets really inflamed. And, and what I think the challenge is that we could so easily just write off whole portions of the body. That we could just, say, make a judgment on black evangelicals who will still overwhelmingly vote Democrat. Obviously, a smaller percent of, of truly born-again people will, will vote that way than just the general black Christian population. But we're just basically writing them off uh, as, as saying, well, they're not as spiritual as we are, or they don't understand the word the way we do, or they don't have the same moral convictions, and, and, and you know they can come back at us the same way and be just as judgmental. So at the very least, let us have understanding within the body. If, if I sit down with someone and we talk about, okay, what does it mean to be born again? Tell me about your own testimony. Tell me about the authority of scripture. Tell me about the lordship of Jesus. Tell me about what it means to be a disciple. And we are check, 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 heart and heart. All right, let's pray together. Let's go out witness together. We do it. You know, let's let's feed the poor. We do all that with enthusiasm. Let's go on a missions trip together. Great. OK, how did you vote? I voted this way, this way. You're not saved. You're not saved. Something's obviously breaking down there. But again, the biggest thing is, why do we have those perspectives? Do we think as conservative evangelicals, largely white, 
who voted for Trump, somewhere around 81% of us, and from what I can tell, it's going to be at least the same this time around. Are we saying, hey, to our black brothers and sisters that voted Democrat or to other Christians that voted Democrat, you've been hijacked by the Democrat Party. You believe lies about programs that will best benefit the poor and minorities. You, you, you are not seeing the pro-life picture in a big enough perspective, etc. Those arguments I think we can make. And we can reach out in those ways, but we must reach out. We must have the conversation. And otherwise, we get in our own little echo chamber, and then we get very righteous, and we get all worked up over it, but we're really helping nobody in the process. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, from a lot of conservatives, the argumentation, obviously, is that – and this is a lot of my argumentation uh, about why Christians should not vote Democrat. But you know, it, it's it's their support and promotion of abortion. It's it's the gay marriage. It's it's you know all these issues. And then on top of that, you're going into socialism. You're going into big government and all that kind of stuff. But it seems like on the on the moral side, uh, the Democrat Party is really promoting sin, which which is my biggest concern. But from your perspective and understanding of what, uh, you know, some of these evangelicals are saying when it comes to their justification for voting for the Democrats, what do they say specifically about a lot of these moral issues where the Democrats are actually promoting sin? It's not just that they're allowing it, but they're promoting it. How do they justify that from a Christian perspective? Yeah, so some of them would have a little bit different view of the political system. In other words, they would say it only changes things so much. It, it really is not going to affect the things that matter to us most. And they might say, hey, look, who was the swing vote in Obergefell versus Hodges in 2015 that redefined marriage? It was Justice Anthony Kennedy. Who appointed him? Ronald Reagan. Who was the critical swing vote on, on some other major issues of concern to, to conservative evangelicals? John Roberts who was an appointee of George Bush. So they many would have much more skepticism towards the system and the effect of it. And they say, okay, just on the ground where I live, who's doing a better job? Uh, so one, one brother said to me, uh, he said, listen, when there are Republicans in power in my county and I go to them to try to develop programs or to, to work you know, on behalf of the community, he said, they won't give me the time of day. When the Democrats are in, they'll work with me. So they're thinking, okay, just on the ground where I live, what's going what's gonna to do better here? What I can touch, what I can affect, how is that going to work out? So it's, it's almost as if the grandiose speeches and the party platforms are considered rhetoric. And the real issue is on the ground where I live, how does this work out? I was, I was in New York City one time. I was with a, a white pastor and a black pastor, and we were talking together about issues of concern. And the black pastor said to me, you're trying to get prayer back in the schools. I'm trying to get education in the schools. So from his perspective, there was such a fundamental breakdown of the system. And then you see, OK, these kids grow up without a proper education. And now it's going to contribute to the next generation of fatherlessness and criminality and all these other things. This is where we live. I don't care what these politicians are saying in D.C. How is it impacting my community? Which party is going to do better for education? Now, again, we could make an argument against the Democratic policies and say, what has it brought you? You know, a black candidate, Kim Klasick in, in Baltimore, wanted to, to replace Elijah Cummings. You know, Baltimore has been Democrat for decades and decades and decades. And she's saying, what has it brought you? 
there's a better way. Our policies are better. So that's the kind of argument that we need to engage in because otherwise they'll say, yeah, of course we disagree with, with same-sex marriage. Think of it, and, and this is an irony. In California, when Prop 8 was on the books in 2008, uh, a, a, a large number, the largest number of African-American voters came out and voted for Barack Obama. Right. Obviously, this is a historic event, the first black president. So there were more voters that came out, voted for him. And at that time, he, he was lying openly from what we understand, saying that marriage was the union of a man and a woman. And he knew he had to say that, according to David Axelrod. He knew he had to say that in order to not alienate his black constituency at that time. But it was on the books. Proposition 8 was being voted on. Is marriage the union of a man and a woman? Well, one reason that it passed in California that marriage is union of one man and one woman was because there were so many more black voters who were conservative in their moral and ethical values, and yet they voted for Barack Obama. Stevenson University Online is a leader in forensic education for law enforcement, legal, and cyber investigations. If you are preparing for career advancement or career change, investigate our online master's programs in forensic science, CSI, forensic accounting, Forensic Investigations, and Cybersecurity and Digital Forensics. New online sessions start every eight weeks. No application fee or GRE required. Visit stevenson.edu slash online. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. So figure that one out. But in their minds, it was not a contradiction because, A, uh, Senator Obama at that time was lying about his view. And, and B, they were looking at other issues and thinking it would help overall. So that's that's some of the irony. That's why we have to engage in conversation. Yeah. Now, now what do you what do you make of the argument of of Christians being uh, you know, either they shouldn't be in, so involved in politics, or on top of that, they'll go and they'll go and they'll say that you know Christians shouldn't be focused on legislating morality. So things like uh, gay marriage, or you know things along those lines. What what's your response to a lot of that? Because I, I I'm finding that in a lot of conservative circles, and that's kind of calling off uh, you know the ranks. I feel like to a certain degree. But what what's your thought process with that? Yeah. So a few thoughts. Uh, first, when I came to faith in 71 as a heroin shooting LSD using Jewish hippie rock drummer, we were told Jesus is coming any minute. We're out of here. Society's only going to get worse. The worse it gets, the more proof that we're at the end. How Lindsay's late great planet Earth was the big bestseller at that time. That was almost 50 years ago. I mean, think of it. I was I was 16 at that time. Uh, the interview as we do it today is is our second grandchild's 17th birthday. We've got another 17 coming up, another 14 coming up. So 
it, my grandkids are now older than when I was when I got saved, and Jesus hasn't come back yet. So the attitude of escapism, the attitude of there's nothing we can do, it's only going to get worse, has been absolutely fatal. Others have said, well, we're here. We're not going anywhere. Uh, let's change the world. Let's change the society. So gay activists or pro-abortion activists, whoever, thinking that they're acting in, in their best interest or the best interest of America, they've had a profound effect. Well, we think we're out of here. So that faulty theology, either it's only going to get worse or we're out of here any minute or Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Therefore, we don't engage. That's been fatal. The second thing is the Great Commission is not to go and make converts, but to go and make disciples. So my question is, how do disciples live? If, if, if we were all living as real disciples in the days of slavery in America, how quickly would it have been abolished? You know, you say, OK, I don't want to get involved politically. Fine. You claim to be a disciple of Jesus. You, you own other human beings that have been kidnapped and brought here against their will. You beat them when they don't work hard enough. How are you being a disciple? So you're immediately in, engaged. If, if, if you, your local school district is, is aggressively pushing a sex ed curriculum that you think is totally destructive and you don't want your kids exposed to, and, well, <clears throat> the school boards voted on it. It's, it's going to happen. Or this critical race theory is now going to be incorporated to everything in your school. You don't like it. You talk to administrators. So that's not our decision. That comes from the school board. You think, well, I'm going to run for the school board. Now you've gotten involved in politics. But it's, it's – it's kind of a seamless thing in that regard that when you stand for righteousness, when you live as a disciple, you're going to get involved in the political scene. Uh, I was dialoguing with a, an activist pastor in California who has actually been the mayor of his city and was presently on the city council. He, he resigned because he was going to be disobeying the law and holding public services, so he stepped down from the city council. But we were talking on this interview, and I said, look, we had our, our, our church community show up. At a, at a local city council meeting a few years ago to draw attention to some of the ugly and egregious things that were taking place in the sight of children at a gay pride event in a public park in our city. It was a very dramatic thing. All 10 speakers that night were all believers who presented the positions. We all stood in support. When it was over, we all left. The place was packed. It, 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 was, it was an incredible night. He said, but nothing happened, did it? I said, no, he goes, that's because you're not on the, on the city council, and that's because you only show up once every few years. He said, I'm on the city council. I know what makes it tick. you got to get involved. I was in Indiana a few years ago. And talking to the pastor, and he was telling me about the incredible open doors that they have in the public schools to preach the gospel. I said, seriously? He goes, yeah. Well, after the service, I'm talking to a man who's a bit older than me. He had been a high school principal for years. And, and when he retired, the pastor said, you're not done yet. We need you on the school board. So he got on the school board, got other godly people on the school board, and it opened the doors for the free preaching of the gospel and other Christian influence in the public schools in the county. So we must get involved, but we cannot get caught up in the political system or make politics into an idol. As I've been shouting from the rooftops, Jesus is our Savior. We preach Jesus. We don't preach Trump. I preach Christ crucified and resurrected, not Trump president and reelected. That, that, that's not the emphasis. That's not the burden. This is a – if we have 10 steps – to making a positive impact on America as followers of Jesus. Voting would be in there for me, but it would be down to nine or ten because of all the other weapons and things we've been given. So let's get involved, but let's not make it into an idol. And let's pray for righteous people to be raised up. But the system as a whole is very corrupt. 
The system as a whole has enough backroom deals. And, and in order to get to the top, you need to be as ruthless as Donald Trump and as nasty as Donald Trump. And that hurts the gospel in other ways. So we have to understand that politics can only go so far, the political system can. But if we abandon it, we're going to end up complaining. Why can't we do this? I lost my job over this. My kid's getting exposed to this. Well, we're to blame because we abandoned the system. Yeah, and I think also, too, it's like we're supposed to be light shining into darkness. But if we're not actually shining light into darkness, and I think the political system is definitely darkness, we got to be shining light in there. If not, it's completely dark, and we don't we don't have any opportunity to share the gospel with people or things like that. But I think we need to be looking for those opportunities of of kind of going into that direction. Now, I, th- I think also dealing with this from a political standpoint, dealing with policy issues and things that maybe it's not the 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 direct moral issues like the like gay marriage or abortion or things like that. But I but I know like even you know issues like uh, socialism versus capitalism or redistribution of wealth or income inequality and all these kinds of things. Things. Are these things that that Christians should be taking a stand on or in your opinion, or are these things where we should be, you know, it's OK to kind of go either way? We should always be standing for what's right and we should be loving our neighbor as ourself. As much as I write daily op ed pieces and do a daily talk radio show, I'm really not a politically minded person. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm very basic, simplistic gospel, great commission, everything flows out of that. But again, it flows into every realm of society, be it media, be it, uh, be it the university, be it the political realm. And, and loving my neighbor as myself means that when I become aware of injustice, when I become aware of inequity, when on the job, I find out that a Hispanic coworker does not get paid the same as I do. And there is, there is, discrimination against him, well, then righteousness requires me to to get involved and to speak up. Loving my neighbor does. So I don't believe that we should be primarily known for social activism, but it's going to be a natural outgrowth of the gospel, and some of us will be more called. Look, you mentioned shining the light in every area. In 1 Timothy 2, we're told to pray for kings, rulers, those who have authority. And we, we are praying knowing that God wants all men to be saved, right? So as a Calvinist, all classes of men as an Arminian, all, all period. But e- either way, it's the same thing that, that God desires for kings, for rulers to be saved. Well, once they get saved, do they then resign? Oh, I'm sorry. Now I'm a believer. I can't be king anymore. I can't be in rulership anymore. No, now you live out those principles. So if it's right – to pray for ungodly people who are involved in politics to, or, or leadership to become godly, why isn't it right for godly people to get involved? So I, what I think we have to do is, is really mobilize every member of the body to do what it does best. And those that are really called to stand for, for righteousness issues, those that are called to legislate, those that are called to be judges, those that are called to, to tackle the corruption of the system, we need to pray for them and back them, just as you have your calling, I have my calling. Look, if you go through the authors in your book, uh, some of them have, have really taken principled activist stands, and, and this has been who they are for many, many, many years, like Carrie Gordon. I spoke at his church a few years ago, and he was one of the first to challenge what the states were doing with the, with the shutdowns. And I, and, and I cited it in a book that I wrote during, during COVID, where the world stops, and I said, you know, my principle right now is honor authority, love my neighbor, and, and, and not 
be known as the ones that are spreading the virus in our community. His principle was, we'll, we'll, we'll do this in a way that doesn't affect anyone. We'll do a drive-in service. But we have to protest this unrighteousness, the government's overreach, which is ultimately what's happened in, in many different states. That, that's who he is. That's what God put within him. And, and he's got to be faithful to that. So it's just a matter of each one getting involved. And if the body does its part, if we realize that you can be called by God uh, to, to the service of God and be called to be a lawyer or a social worker or a president or a preacher or a missionary, that these are all valid callings, I think we'd have greater health as opposed to you're just called to preach and be a pastor and these other guys do secular stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that that's definitely an, an important aspect of this. Now, now I think one of the other things that I think we need to remember, especially dealing with all this political stuff, is how do we as Christians take you know, be you know, we're talking about being light shining into, into darkness, right? So we're in the political system, we're t- we're engaging, we're talking to people that we disagree with. But how do we bring that conversation back to the gospel when you know, obviously, the political you know battlefield is so polarized, everybody's so opposite each other and constantly fighting each other and all that kind of stuff. How do we actually do this the right way where we are pointing back to Christ? Right. So one thing is, if people want to talk to us, say about Trump. We can say, look, here's why I'm voting for him, but I, I don't want to talk about Trump. I, I want to talk about you. I want to talk about what's going on in your life. And we take a genuine interest in people. This happened the other day. Somebody blasted me on, on, on Twitter and said they had been to services of mine years ago and attended classes of mine and had my books, and now they wanted a refund. And and all I was trying to do was give a balanced position pro and con for Trump and then explain why I'd vote for him, but you know why I have differences. And – as we began to interact, I said, well, let's interact privately because I want to know what's going on with you. And I understand all your issues with Trump. Here, I'll send you my book that I wrote, but I want to understand what's going on with you. It turns out this person fell away from the Lord years ago. I said, well, let's, let's focus on that. So one thing we can do is intentionally say, look, I don't want to argue that. Trump's not my savior. He's not my role model. I, I, I don't tell my, my, my kids and my grandkids, you need to be like Donald Trump. You know, so let, let's not, I'm not – I understand why you don't like him, but hey. What's going on in your own life? So we intentionally turn the conversation. The other thing is about we can agree that America is terribly splintered, terribly divided. We can say, you know, the, the Bible kind of talks about this, just the way human beings are. And, you know, why do you think we're so divided as a country? Why do you think we're so sickly? Why do you think and, – and doesn't that kind of point to the corruption of human nature? And, and you understand when we say Jesus saves what, why we need a savior – so I think we can look to the broken condition of America today as a platform for preaching the gospel. In fact, it's easier to preach in terms of chaos and anarchy and crisis and fear and division than it is in times when all se- everything seems to be okay and well and we're living in our carnal complacency. So I think we have a marvelous opportunity as America is so divided, even to find out the, the people, you know, the, the BLM movement and Antifa and the, these others. So – that's a minority of people, but they represent a lot of angry voices. Try to tell us, so why are you so angry? What's, what matters to you? And justice is important. You think we're going to find justice in this world? Try to, try to, rather than just fight them, find out what you're so passionate about and then say, you know, it's never going to happen through this system. Oh, and, and look at how it's already dog-eat-dog and, and look at the violence on your end and there's got to be a better way. So I think with wisdom – this can be a great opportunity for the gospel. And I have friends who've been out ministering right in the worst areas, you know, the Portlands and these other places. 
right there, and they're seeing people born again. They're even setting up portable baptismal pools because people are being born again and, and immersed because they're, they're, they know there's more. They're looking. They're crying out, just like in the 60s, the counterculture revolution. You know, I got caught up in that with the whole drugs thing. But then out of that, so many of us got saved. I believe this can be a great harvest time. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, th- and I think it's so important that, you know, not only are we having these political fights, but we're also, you know, fighting the spiritual battle as well. It's like you can't just do one or the other. It's got kind of got to be both you know, a little bit to a certain degree as well. And, you know, I and I think, you know, kind of bringing it back to the overall theme of the book, where it's kind of the leftist infiltration into the church. What do you what do you make of the overall push? It seems like from the mainstream, let's say evangelical leadership, it seems like they're going more to the left. It seems like they're more embracing whether it's same sex attraction, whether it's wealth redistrib- wealth redistribution. It's these ideas of of racial division and and all that kind of stuff. What do you make of this push to the left from a lot of the evangelical leaders? HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. So it's, it's, it's multifaceted. Obviously, God's the judge of each individual heart. But for some, I'm afraid that it's wanting to be wise in the eyes of the world. It's wanting to show how woke we are how sensitive we are, that we're, because so many are white, that we're not just a, a bunch of, of white supremacists and white racists cloaked in humanity. So some of it is, is very carnal. Again, God knows the heart of each individual. But some of it is certainly that we want to show how woke we are, that we're enlightened, that if we're going to be on the major networks, that we're, we're going to sound enlightened and, and, and repeat the mantras as required. I think that's, that's one thing. I think another thing is the spirit of the age, the spirit of the world is powerful, and there's always a push to compromise. I think it's what happens with, with people that become Supreme Court justices, and there you are in D.C., and, and the spiritual warfare is so intense, and the pressure to have a certain legacy that looks a certain way in the eyes of, of the world, uh, because you almost never have someone that starts on the left in the Supreme Court going to the right. But you very regularly have someone from the right going to the middle or to the left. And so to me, it's the spirit of the age, the spirit of the world. You know, that's why Hollywood unites with so many of these unrighteous causes. It's, it's the spirit of the age. The third thing, I, I think, 
is is that there's a recognition of sin in the past, of errors in the past. Uh, you know, look at the Southern Baptist history, and and whole papers have been written now documenting the this. You know, look, Southern Baptists broke away from Northern Baptists over the issue of slavery. You know, founders of 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 uh, you know Southwestern, Southeastern. You know, the biggest Baptist seminaries founded by slaveholders and and things like that. So there's kind of a sometimes an over repentance. There's a you know while we were really wrong here. We need to be on the right side. So sometimes the motivation is good, and then it swings too far. And then I think a last thing is that there's so much animus towards Donald Trump and so many ways he's so unchristian and, and can act just downright foolishly. If you look at the book of Proverbs and characteristics of a fool and you think the man is destroying America and we need to distance ourselves from him to maintain the credibility of our witness. But there's a way that we can explain our vote for him without damaging our witness. So I think we go too far in those ways. In, in all the four that I mentioned, I don't think any of them are right, but I think it does help us explain why it's happening. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, and I th- again, I think with all of this, it, I think the important part of, of this chapter that, that you wrote specifically is really understanding the other side and understanding the mentality and the thought process. And I think that if we're going to actually engage with people that we disagree with, we need to understand where they're coming from and not just lob talking points at them and, and that sort of thing. So, so I highly encourage everybody to, you know, definitely get the book, definitely read the chapter. Uh, but also I, you know, I want to give you a chance as well, cause I know you've come out with a couple of other books very recently as well. Wanted to give you an opportunity to share uh, with the audience uh, about those as well and, and let them know uh, what you're writing about. Sure. Appreciate that. Uh, so a couple of months ago, we came out with Evangelicals at the Crossroads. Will we pass the Trump test? Uh, it's gotten uh, great responses thus far. What I talked about it on Mike Huckabee's uh, TV show, he said it was the best four minutes of TV he had ever done. So it lays out the evangelical case for Trump and against Trump as clearly as possible and as fairly as possible, and then explains why we can justify a vote for him. For me, the Trump test is how can we – Vote for him without compromising our witness, because in many ways, I believe we have the the way we've been his apologists and defenders and things like that. So that's part of it. The other part of the Trump test is can we differ about the president and unite around Jesus? So I lay out practical steps for that evangelicals at the crossroads. And then we just a, a couple weeks ago now released the new edition of Revolution, an urgent call to a holy uprising. The first edition came out 20 years ago. And, and the day it came out, literally, we gave away over 70,000 copies of the book at a massive prayer event in Washington, D.C. Now, 20 years later, we put out a, a brand new edition. And I have to tell you, honestly, Jeff, it was jarring going through the book line by line again, seeing what we were shouting about and warning about 20 years ago, saying there's a massive cultural revolution at hand. And there's either going to be an awakening in the church that leads us forward. It's either going to be heaven sent or hell bent. Now, 20 years later... With marches down our streets, people saying this is the revolution, you know, burn it down. The, the stakes are much higher. So revolution and urgent call to a holy uprising, both of those totally relevant to where we are today. Yeah, no, absolutely. Highly encourage everybody to check those out. Also, uh, you know, if you guys are interested in getting this book that we've been talking about, Church and State, How the Left Used the Church to Conquer America, you guys can go to gatekeepersonline.com slash church and state. Use code Michael at checkout. You'll get 10% off as well as for the free ebook, Why I'm Pro-Life. But Dr. Brown, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to join me here today and then also taking the time to contribute to the book. I, I really, really appreciate it. Oh, uh, absolute joy to do it. And let me just say this last thing. 
you know, I've never been asked to do a radio ad where you buy this product and you put my name in and you get like 10% off or 20% off. So this is this has been my lifelong dream <laughs> that I'll be part of an ad that if you put my name – no, I'm, I'm joking. But yeah, yeah folks, get, get the book. The, the chapters are important. It's, it's really going to get you thinking. And yeah, Jeff, the moment you mentioned it to me, even though my schedule is crazy, I thought absolutely – Let's do this together. So thanks for letting me be part of it. Of course, of course. Thank you so much. And then everybody else uh, that's watching, again, uh, go gatekeepersonline.com slash church and state. And then uh, if you guys can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, it really helps uh, that we guys are notified every time we come out with a new show. And for more information on what we're doing here with the gatekeepers, go to gatekeepersonline.com. We've got blogs, articles, uh, podcasts, a lot, a lot of great stuff over there as well. And we shall catch you guys next time. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new spirit park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com spiritpark spirit park.